Well, good morning to each of you. It's uh, good to see all of you. But it's also a bit strange to look at you through the reflection of my shoe. So I may miss some words, but it's okay. I tried practicing with my shoe last night. I did miss some words because, yeah, the light just doesn't do me good. But anyway, we are here. We are almost coming to an end of uh, our series in Genesis. And we're also coming to an end of the year. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for bringing us here today. We can come together as God's people, as a family in Christ, to worship you, to praise you, and to listen to your word, and to encourage one another by our presence. And so, Lord, we pray that as we listen to your word today, that may your word speak to us and move us to obedience. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So one of my favorite uh, Bible character is Joseph. So when I first believed in the Lord, one of the first few books that I was led to read, the Bible books that I was led to read, was Genesis. And I was reading Genesis, I was drawn to Joseph's greed, his perseverance in suffering, and most importantly, his unswaving trust in God's sovereignty. God, jo- Joseph saw his situations in life through the lens of God. So, as you know, I gave myself the name Joseph. Nice name, isn't it? It's a good name. I want to remind myself to keep trusting in God and to see the ups and downs of my life through the lens of God. And this, I must say, has helped me through the ups and downs in my life and the ups and downs in ministries. 2020 is one of the most challenging ministry years for me. I'm sure for many of you, you can echo that too in your own different walks, your family, work, or even just your businesses if you are in business. One of the particular areas that is of a big challenge was the BBGB ministry. So if you are not aware, ARPC supports six Boys and Girls Brigade companies in four schools. January to March are usually a very busy month for all of us. The school year begins, and so does the BBGB enrollment uh, recruitment exercise. And at the same time, we'll also be preparing and busy preparing for our annual enrollment ceremony in March. So, January, February 2020 was no, were no different. We were kept busy as usual, but we know, but you know the rest of the story. COVID hit and all the plans went to nothing. Or is it all to nothing? See, during our captain's meeting last Saturday, I asked each one of them to share Thanksgiving challenges of running the BBGB ministry differently for the last nine months. So each one of them started with sharing how they felt lost and some grumble about the disruption. Every routine that we know at the back of our hands, every parade, everything that we know that we just do like that was thrown out of the window. We were forced to think out of the box to continue our connection with our students. So what did we become? We become YouTube and Instagram blog vlogger. So I start to do 
video devotions. I start to share devotion via YouTube. Post them on YouTube, post them on Instagram, hoping that my students, our students, will tune in to watch. But I'm competing with the many, many other celebrities out in YouTube. Everyone, thankfully, end, ended their sharing, thanking God, thanking God for the new opportunities that arise, that arose, fresh creative ideas that we never thought we could have done, ways to engage our boys and girls. It is, it was and it is a steep learning curve for all of us. And we'll continue with this steep learning curve into 2021. I think we could, we could give thanks because, because we could see 2020 through the lens of God. How are you seeing the disruption of COVID-19? The disruption that COVID-19 caused? How are we perceiving challenges in our lives? Are you, am I, seeing them with God's lens? Just a test, we are in November 2020. What is ARPC team for this year? You cannot speak, but it's okay, I'll tell you. 2020 vision, seeing with God's eyes. Personally, I feel and think that this applies very aptly to Genesis 42 to 50. Joseph had 2020 vision. And he was seeing his life, good and bad, through God's eyes. We will be covering chapter 42 to 47 this weekend, and then 48 to 50 next weekend. So in our sermon today, I'll be covering key, key chapters, and I'll give you a summary of those that I did not cover in detail. So in order for us to jump into 42, in order to have a better grasp of Genesis 42 to 47. Come with me to see how Genesis 41 ends. Joseph, son of Jacob, sold as a slave, but rose to be the second in command over the land of Egypt. From the earlier chapters, we read that Joseph was filled with God's presence. He was a blessing in Potiphar's household. He was a blessing in prison. And Joseph did not forget God. Even after he was rose, he was risen to power. He named his two sons with names that reminded him about God in his affliction and about God being instrumental in his rise to power. Let's read Genesis 41, 53 to 57. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, there was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, where he said, what he said to do to you, do what he said to you, do. Okay. So, next one, when the famine has spread over all the land. Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain. 
because the famine was severe all over the earth. Abundance gave way to famine. A famine affected lands beyond Egypt. And we catch a glimpse of this widespread famine in our own context with COVID. COVID virus devastated every country on planet Earth. By a wiki moment, I read, maybe there's only two exceptions. So, surprisingly, there was still, no, there was still some country out there that have not reported a single case of COVID. And the two most dubious countries are Turkmenistan and North Korea. You think it's true? I do not know. Every country is looking out for that vaccine. The first country with a viable vaccine would have every country knocking on their door. And the country in Joseph's time was Egypt. God let Pharaoh dream about the famine. God placed Joseph at the right time, at the right place to interpret his dreams. And Joseph was also promoted just in that moment from a prisoner to the second in command in the land of Egypt. And so now the camera pans to Jacob and his family. Jacob and his family has reached a point of desperation, as we read earlier on, right? that Jacob had to send his sons to Egypt to buy food. So he sent 10, and he kept one back. He kept Benjamin back with him. Genesis 42, verse 6 reads, Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. See, the significance of their presence and then bowing down before Joseph was not lost to Joseph in his excitement when he saw his brothers. 42 verse 8 to 9a read, And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamt of. There was a eureka moment for Joseph. Seeing his brothers bowing down before him triggered memories of his dreams 20 years ago. Who could have imagined these dreams coming true, being fulfilled 20 years later? Those dreams about his brothers, his, his father bowing down to him, actually got him into deep trouble. It landed him in Egypt. Joseph must have been wondering the significance of this dream all these 20 years. And at that moment, at that moment, everything clicked together. I'm sure Joseph was very eager to reveal his identity to his brother, to his brothers, but he held back. Instead, he set up a test. He accused them of being spies. Spies who have come to scout out the vulnerability of the land. And there's the meaning of the phrase, come to see the nakedness of the land in verse 9. The rough treatment and accusation instill fear in the hearts of his ten brothers. And to prove that they were not spies, they actually disclose more 
than they needed to disclose. Come to me, come with me to verse 13, and they're saying, We, we your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest in this is, is this day with our father, and one is no more. The one that is no more is referring to Joseph. And the irony is this, isn't it? The one who is no more is right there before them. Their fear, interestingly, also led them not just to disclose more, but to let them to recall their sin 20 years ago. A sin, an act that they have kept secret from their father for 20 years. No one speaks about that day. They have buried it deep. And now the skeleton is slowly being exposed. Joseph chose not to hear their pleas and threw them into prison for three days. And on the third day, Joseph sent back nine to bring food to their family and held back Simeon. And we ask, why did Joseph do that? Well, the text tells us that he wanted to test the truthfulness of their word. But in reality, I believe, he wants to test their hearts. And what do they want to test? They want to t- he wants to know whether they would abandon Simeon to protect themselves. So you can almost see the brains of the brothers kind of clicking, clicking away. As they process the new situation, they say to one another, in truth, we are guilty of concerning our brothers. In that we saw the distress of his soul. And when he begged us, we did not listen. And that's why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, didn't not I tell you not to sin against this boy? But you, you did not listen. So now comes a reckoning for his blood. And then later on, as they, as they travel on, when they found money in their sack, he said to his brothers, My money has been put back here in the mouth of my sack. At this, their hearts failed them. And they turned trembling to one another saying, What is this that God has done to us? What is this that God has done to us? The ten brothers saw this predicament as a judgment from God. God confronting their sin because Joseph's blood has cried out to the Lord. Maybe in a similar fashion, in a similar way, Cain's blood cried out to the Lord against Abel. Let us pause and learn a lesson on sin and confession. Looking through the series of events through God's eyes, God was using Joseph's test to expose the brothers' hearts and to give them an opportunity to confess. And to me, this is a moment of grace for the brothers. But in confessing of sin, will also lead them to find forgiveness in God. And in this context, not just forgiveness, 
by God, but forgiveness by Joseph as well. They could, they could finally lift this heavy burden off their chest, but not yet. Akang datan, coming soon. So with a heavy load and with a heavy heart, the nine brothers went back to their fathers with grains and money for the grains, mysteriously back in the sack, but no Simeon. Back home, Jacob was devastated to have lost Simeon. Having lost Joseph 20 years ago was already heart-wrenching. And now he has to lose Simeon as well. It's understandably that why they failed to persuade Jacob to let them bring Benjamin with them to redeem Simeon. If we have years on the walls of Jacob's home, we might hear this when the brother asks, can we bring Benjamin? And Jacob will say, over my dead body to let you bring Benjamin with you. Over my dead body. However, the continual famine as God has, has kind of put it together, forced a return to Egypt. They ran out of food and Jacob was forced to make that painful decision to let them bring Benjamin with them back to Egypt. Because no Benjamin, no food. A necessary step for the survival of the whole household. Judah made a very solemn promise to his father to bring Benjamin back at all costs. Wasn't this Judah who plotted to sell Joseph to the passing traders? This Judah was not the same Judah when he hatched that plot to sell Joseph. So the camera rolls very quickly. The ten brothers found themselves back in Egypt again. And this time with Benjamin. And this time they were led straight to Joseph's house where a feast awaits them. See, they enter Joseph's house with fear and trembling. There's no, there's no such thing as free lunches. Right? When someone gives you a free lunch, especially when someone meets me for lunch, they're always fear and trembling because it could be work that needs to be done. It could be ministry that needs to be served. So very scary to meet me for lunch. But actually, that's not true. Right? Right? Those who are laughing, you know. It's not true. It's not true. They fear that it might be a setup. A setup to enslave them. So the steward who met them said this to them in verse 423, chapter 43, 23. Peace to you. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sanks for you. I receive your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The words from the steward and seeing Simeon lightly calmed their hearts. And they prepared the present Jacob told them to bring for Joseph. Joseph was indeed delighted and very emotional when he saw his brothers and when he saw Benjamin. But he continued to keep his identity concealed because there's one more test. There's one more test that he must, he must put before them to reveal the true hearts of his brothers. Joseph wanted to know do they hate Benjamin 
just like they hated him. Joseph's favoritism towards Joseph, uh, Jacob's favoritism towards Joseph got him into trouble with the ten brothers. They were jealous that their father loved him more than all of them. Would this be the same for Benjamin? Are they the same brothers he knew 20 years ago? But to Joseph, this is a win-win situation. Why? If they were the same brothers 20 years ago, Joseph would have Benjamin safe in his hands rather than risking him being sold to others like he was. But if their hearts were truly repentant, this would indeed be a sweet reunion. A reunion that he was longing for. Thus, this test was crucial for Joseph. The test was set. The brothers were caught red-handed. And now Joseph waited eagerly for their response. To the brothers, their fear was founded. There are indeed no free lunches. Joseph accused them of theft and only wanted the man whose side has the cup. And that man, that man happened to be Benjamin. How would they respond? Would they cut Benjamin loose and save their own skin? Judah, a different Judah, a very different Judah 20 years ago, pleaded for Benjamin. See, when they plotted to kill Joseph, their hearts were full of hatred. But now, their hearts were full of compassion for Benjamin, full of compassion for their aged father. Come with me to 40, chapter 44, verse 18 to 34. Maybe we read together silently in your, in your mouth, but I'll read out loud as well. Then Judah went up to him and saying, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word to my Lord's ears. And let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. And then he went on to recount the conversation with their fathers and how they pleaded with their fathers to bring Benjamin with them down to Egypt and how their father reluctantly allowed Benjamin to go to Egypt. Verse 27, Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my grey hairs in, the, in evil to sower. And verse 30, Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my, my father, and the boy is not with me, with us, then as his life is bound up with the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servant will bring down the grey hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to sower. Joseph, uh, Judah told Joseph, by not bringing back Benjamin, it would mean the end of my father's life. And then he got on to say, for your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame 
before my father all my life. And therefore, please, let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. And let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that will find my father. Judah. Judah offered himself to take Benjamin's place. He's going to bring Benjamin back to his father at all costs. Judah's heartfelt appeal was that final straw that broke the camel's back, isn't it? And it was a response that Joseph was hoping to hear. His brother has finally had a transformed heart. They have learned to embrace their father's favourite and not turn to him in hatred. And Joseph could no longer contain himself, as we see in chapter 45. He ordered all the Egyptians to leave and reveal his identity to the brothers. The moment of revelation was a moment of great delight for Joseph, but it was a great moment of dismay for his brothers. Eleven brothers separated from Joseph for 20 years. Ten of the brothers had sold him to a passing trader. This cannot be true. They knew, they knew that God has exposed their sinful heart and has exposed their wicked plan. The skeleton is now out in the open. God has brought them to face Joseph. They are trapped in their mind. Surely Joseph will seek revenge. Joseph, knowing their dismay, comforted them with these words from chapter 45, verse 4 to 7. So Joseph said to his brother, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither ploughing or harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Joseph, 20 years can be summarized with this. His dreams, he sowed and suffered unjustly, he rose to power, he was reunited with his family. And all this for what? All this so that God is able to preserve the life of people. So that God has sent him to preserve a random on earth. And most importantly, Joseph says, I am part of God's sovereign salvation plan. And all this is possible because Joseph had a 2020 vision. I think the next slide. Eh? And he saw his separation with God's eyes. Finally, finally, you can close the slide. Finally, there is a reunion. 
Verses 45, verses 13 and 15. So you must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry, bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and they wept upon him. And after that, his brother talked with him. I watched a clip of a meetup of relatives separated by the Korean War. It was heart-wrenching, but yet heartwarming at the same time. Oh. Okay. At least one picture shown. Two? Okay. Man and woman, separated for 60 years, finally was able to meet up. Man and woman in their old age, weeping. And this picture gives us a glimpse of what might possibly be the sin in Joseph's house that day. Having his life suddenly and unjustly disrupted at the age of 17, we will not be surprised to see hatred and resentment, isn't it? You have watched enough Korean drama or Hong Kong drama? There's always this portraying the lead character silently plotting revenge while waiting for the right time to act. But by God's grace, God preserved Joseph's life, kept him on a straight and narrow path. And through Joseph, God preserved a random on earth. The remnants were part of God's sovereign salvation plan to save the whole world through our Lord Jesus Christ 1,800 years later. And the rest of chapter 45 to 47 do a quick summary, one paragraph. Saw the reunion of Jacob with his long-lost son. God continued blessing upon Israel with offspring, multiplying them, prospering them. And Pharaoh gave them the best of the land in Egypt. And this is nicely summarized in chapter 47, 27 to 28. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt and in the land of Goshen. And they gained possession in it, and they were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147. And that is the life of Joseph, at least to this point. And I thank you for persevering with me through the six chapters. And now let me draw two lessons for us. Lesson number one, seeing God clearly in our trials. Joseph faced many trials, and through each trial, Joseph persevered, and he was refined by God. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Peter wrote these words in his letter, 1,800 years later after Joseph. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7 reads, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the test genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through it, is tested by fire, may be founded to result in praise, in glory and honour, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God's word holds true for at all times, for all time and on all occasions. Although this was written 1,800 years later from the time of Joseph, Joseph and Apostle Peter worshipped the same God, 
Hey, so do we, isn't it? God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And God's truth transcends time and culture. Even though Joseph would not have read the words from 1 Peter, he has lifted out because he worshipped and feared the same God. His faith, his trust of God were tested in every way. And by God's mercy and grace, he emerged faithful to God. Joseph had gone through the fire and has emerged purified. And the question I ask myself, would I be the same? Because I believe in the same God as Joseph. Joseph the dreamer was able to trust in God. Would Joe Heng be able to trust the same God? Would you be able to trust the same God? Would Jeff be able to trust the same God? Would Sin Cheng be able to trust the same God? And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 6 tells me, I can, we can, because our salvation is firmly secured by God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter verse 3 reads, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is, that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through time, through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I can see God clearly through my trials because God's great mercy is working in me. We can see God clearly through our trials because God's great mercy is working in us. And the hope that we have is a hope that is grounded, firmly rooted in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph did not have Christ, but he has God. We now have the fullness of God dwell in us. The fullness of God dwell in us in the Holy Spirit. And our hope is firmly, securely grounded in no one else and none other thing except Christ and Christ alone. God promises that He will work all things together for the good of our life. And that brings me to lesson two. Seeing God clearly in the good work He is doing in and through us. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things work for good. And for those who call according to His purposes. God make a promise. He promised to work in us, to work through us for His own good purpose. God work in us or God work in and through the life of Joseph to preserve life. God prepare each part of Joseph's life to fulfill His covenantal promise that He make to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Nothing is going to stop that. But most importantly, unknowing to Joseph, his life was pivotal to God's unfolding salvation plan that will eventually climax in the birth, the death, and the resurrection 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph can't think that far, but God has all this worked out. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Our hearts transform. And like Joseph, we, can be, we are moved from being a wreck because we are sinner to riches. Because you and I, who sits here today, who say that we believe in Lord, we sit here today as a child of God. Indeed, it's from wreck to riches. Now that we know this truth, how are we living out this truth? Joseph did not let his trials paralyze him or embitter him. He served Potiphar's, Potiphar's household like he was serving God. And Potiphar saw that. When he was thrown in prison, he served his time in prison and worked as if he was working for God. The jail warden saw that and entrusted everything to Joseph. He saw that his 20 years was God's instrument to preserve the lives of those who really matters to God. How are we living through our trials? What are our trials? Illness, family issues, loss of job, or the inconvenience that COVID has brought? One of my DG mate told me this story. It's a real story. You can verify it, unlike Trump's tweets. A family of seven was split up to dine in two different tables due to the safe distancing measures. Family was so angry at the waitress and berated her each time she served them. Well, my DG mate got on her to step up, step up and gave the, the waitress the link to tell her about the safe measuring, uh, safe distancing guidelines so that she can show to the family and say, it's not me, it's the government. Are we letting our trials get the better of us? So when we are grieved by the trials we experience in our life, let us hold on to the promise of God. We trust that He's sovereignly working out His salvation plan to those who love Him, which is us. We pray for God to work out His good through us as we go through trials of different kinds. May I encourage you to pray this prayer. Dear God, I pray that may I be a blessing to others through my trials. Yes, your life and my life are God's handiwork as He works in us. But our life is also God's workshop where He works through us to bring His blessing to others. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you that, Lord, you have given us all the resources that we need to remain faithful in you, to weather through the trials in our life, looking to you, looking and clinging on to you. And when we do that, we know that you will work good in and through us for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.